Hi, my name is Monica Kretschmer, and I'm the founder and CEO of the Universal Women's Network, Women of Inspiration Awards, and this is the Women of Inspiration podcast, where we speak with women who lead, inspire, and motivate it. These are women that pave and take the road less traveled and inspire others to dream big. So today, a very special guest with me on our podcast is M.A. Uh, Foreman, and you are the CEO at Silvermark, and we're going to get a little bit into your company and the interview. I want you to tell your guests, our guests, all about your inspiration to start your company and the impact that you're making. But what I also want to say is that you're one of our 100 Women of Inspiration book contributors, and we are so excited to go all the way to the Maritimes. And we get to actually see each other in person very, very soon. So welcome, M.A. Thank you, Monica. It's great to be with you. And I can't wait for that day when we get to meet in person uh, on the East Coast. So uh, you're right. It's not too far away. So we're counting the days in the calendar. So I always like to start off our podcast, you know, um, a little bit of background about you. And I like to start off with, you know, so when you were 12, what did you want to be when you grew up? Yeah, interestingly, I was 12, so I was a big drawer, illustrator, drawer, and um, I spent a lot of time drawing fashion designs, if you will. And so when I was 12, I would say that was probably what I had in mind at the time. I was nowhere as close to having it figured out. Um, but uh, yeah, if you had asked me at that age, I probably would have said a fashion designer. Uh, I, I landed nowhere near that, um, but um I still love that creative outlet. It's probably not what people know about me most is the, they probably know the other sides, the sporty side or the business side, not the creative side per se or the artistic side, but uh, it's definitely a big part of me. And it's a part that I go to when it's time to kind of relax and de-stress. It's still, it's still um, very much kind of using your hands and creating something um, uh, is uh, yeah, a big, a big piece of who I am. So let me ask you now, you know, entrepreneur, of course, the CEO of your own business, how did you get, what was your career path to get you to this point? Yeah, so uh, I'm a big believer you you write your life in chapters. So for sure, my career has been several chapters. Although if I look back, all of them have had an entrepreneurial slant, either having owned a business and operated or family business or having worked for some great entrepreneurs and having a first row seat to how you build a business. Um, so I actually started my career in our family businesses. We had retail gift and furniture uh, shops and I worked in those businesses while I was doing my master's in business. And so that was a great combination to be working full time, uh, working on my graduate program part time and there was all sorts of uh, fun in retail business in those days. Uh, you know, we used to go on the on the buying trips and I was working with my parents and my sister. So I really sort of relished that quality family time in a business setting. Um, so it was great. But I knew that wasn't kind of the path for me long term. I had a real interest in real estate, commercial real estate in particular. And so after my degree, I approached the company that I most wanted to work for, and they were the largest commercial multi-unit residential player in Atlantic Canada. And I was really fortunate to kind of, I took the opportunity, maybe not the job out of the gate that I wanted, um, but it landed me in the leasing and sales division to begin with. 
which was a great place to learn the business because everything was connected to that department. And then very quickly under the under the mentorship of the entrepreneurs of that business, uh, the principals of those business were very good to me and letting me explore and have opportunity. And I eventually took the position of CEO there and spent a number of years in, uh, in that role. And so that's where I really loved it. Uh, built a love for real estate. Um, but it came a time where there was a transaction and then we were also um, trying to start a family at that time. So it was time to write another chapter. And when I was, um, eventually when I was pregnant, I started to get approached to do some project work. So I ended up starting a small consulting firm when our kids were young. Uh, it was really important at that time for me to offer work for other women who wanted flexible work. So it didn't matter to me if you wanted to do the research at 10 o'clock at night when she put the baby down. That was what I was living. That's what I wanted, you know, other people to have. And uh, so, yeah, we spent a lot of uh, years in strategic planning and business planning. And a lot of the work started to kind of, that's where my career kind of shifted because I had spent a lot of time volunteering in not-for-profit, poverty reduction and homelessness. And so those contacts were also sort of approaching me. And it's where the social economic sort of impact, those two things coming together uh, really started for me. So um, that's kind of like the first half. I feel like that's like the first half of the book, Monica. <laughs> And I haven't got to the, now I'm in the middle. Um, so I'll continue just by saying it came a point in time where I was missing the bricks and mortar of real estate, um, but I didn't want to go back into office product and that kind of corporate environment. Yeah. So I went into elder care. Um, and so I was really purposeful about making that choice. And so I know probably from this conversation, we'll talk more about the why behind that. Um, but it gave me the real estate component. It gave me some real personal challenges in operations of larger staff. You're talking about staffs of a hundred plus, you know, per, um, per home and largely female workforce. So there's still that thread. Um, and it's also, uh, a sector mired in policy and regulation. And I like that. I'm a bit of a policy junkie. Um, and I thought there was a better way. And so that's really where that motivation came from. And it was a great experience. Um, but it got to the point where I was, again, traveling too much. We were trying to work on new development projects, not all that came to fruition. And that's kind of the last chapter that led me back into a consulting and advisory role and to start Silvermark so that I could stay in the space that was going to impact the lives of older adults, but really work in a strategic um capacity and we've now built a team to do that and um, we're really just linking arms with others who are who are serving that population and um yeah it's a pure joy it's definitely my my heart work and um a good a good chapter to be in at this point in time so i am always i always look at everybody's career path and it's never a straight road it's always a little bit of a zigzag and then of course as women we make pivots left or right because we choose to have kids and we want to yes. raise children. And so where your pivots were, that opened up another door for you that maybe wouldn't have been open if you didn't have kids with the researchers. So, you know, for there's a lot of women going through a transition right now. So what words of advice would you give to them about, you know, if that fork in the road came you know, how did you make that decision to go, you know what, I'm just going to go in a real different road. Like, how do you know when it's time to do that? Yeah, 
there's kind of advice for different moments, right? Like I, I have been an entrepreneur who has worked for others and who has worked for myself. And sometimes you just need a job, right? Like you, for, from a family perspective, you do need that. Um, and so I chose settings that were, you know, certainly very interesting and fulfilling to me and linked with others who could give me some mentorship in that entrepreneurial space. But I think, you know, look, I'm, I'm a big believer that indecision is the worst decision. And so you really just have to kind of come to that point where you're really willing to say, you know, what are my values? What do I value? What's important? And how do I align those to whatever opportunity I'm going to go into? And that has to do with the type of work that you're doing and producing and who you're impacting through your work. But it equally has to do with Right now, do I want to travel more or less? What kind of hours do I want to keep? I'm building a business, that means I'm working more. Do I need to scale back and do something in a part-time capacity as a passion project while I'm still working summer styles? Like, those are the kinds of decisions that I think most women grapple with that more than once really in your life, because just as you know, you go through stages, your children go through ages and stages. And for me, I always wanted to become a mom. If you go back to that question to the 12 year old you asked me about, uh, I knew then I definitely wanted to be a mother, but motherhood was not at all what I expected. Um, we certainly suffered loss before becoming parents, had two miscarriages before we welcomed our children and secondary infertility between that. And so all of those things shape us, right? They really, you know, come back to informing that decision that you're asking about. And I think you just have to, you have to know your values and what's really most important to you and make sure that whatever decision you're making gets filtered through those values. Um, and so that's what I, you know, I haven't always got it. I haven't always made the best of decisions, but you make the best decision you can. And the best thing about decisions is then you can make another one. And so mm. that's why I do, you know, I really do believe in that mantra about indecision being the worst decision. Just, just lean in and go for it. And then if it doesn't work out, make another decision from there. Love, love, love. I just have to say, I think those are words to preach by because people get so petrified out of making the wrong decision because of failure. Yeah. So what is your definition of success? Yeah, my definition of success is something that I figured out long ago and it served me well, is that I define success by choosing who I spend my time with. And so that if using that measuring stick, that means sometimes the bank account is full and sometimes it's not as full, right? It's not been, always been that as the motivator, that financial external success. It's about, am I, am I doing work that I think is having some impact? And am I, am I linking arms or working with others who I enjoy, who I feel I can give something to that they in turn reciprocate something to me that makes us both grow. And so um, that's always how I've defined success is how, how uh, you put yourself in a position to choose who you spend your time with. Beautiful. And, you know, I know that you had said that your family was, I mean, you were born into family of entrepreneurs. And so hmm. I, my question to you is, do you think that, you know, because you were modeled into that world of entrepreneurs, that has been an easier path for you to be so strong in your values, um, fearless in your decisions, um, because you, you saw a lot of that when you were growing up. So it kind of took the fear away, right? 
Yeah, actually, my family came to entrepreneurship a little bit later. So I was older at the time, like sort of teenagehood, uh, early adulthood. Although my father's career was largely in sales and marketing. So that certainly he yeah. was making his home path and uh, he was working with risk and all of those kinds of things. Um, and so that that purview definitely served me well. And he's certainly my always been my number one mentor. Um, but yeah, I think you know, not everything in our family businesses went well. And so having that experience certainly sort of shaped me that, you know, there's very few things that can happen that kind of really, um, you know, are really going to be devastating in your work life. Like most of the stuff can, you can find a turnaround point in. Um, so yeah, I think that exposure to sort of leaning in and, and doing things that you're passionate about, that definitely shaped me. Um, cause even in the situations I've never gotten a job through an application, like I've never, I've never gotten a job that way. Like even back in the day, it was figuring out where did I want to be and just going and having that conversation and seeing if there was an opportunity. So that, that sort of fuel or fire, if you will, has certainly always been inside me. And I think every setting that I have, um, chosen has helped shape that a little bit, a little bit more. And I think. You know, midlife is also where hopefully you have figured out a lot of things. And um, uh, for me, that's been about figuring out what's the entrepreneurial path and how does it marry to what I'm most passionate about. And so I still have other businesses that haven't gotten off the ground that I want to take another swing at. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm very much in the lane that I think I'm, I'm, I'm supposed to be in or destined to be in and, and um, an entrepreneur through and through. So let me ask you about the supporting piece, because, you know, we need a tribe, we need a network of support system around us. So how important is that to really be able to, whether it's cover your path or to start a business? I mean, two completely different things. Starting a business, how much support do you really need when you were taking that initiative to start, you know, CEO of um, Silvermark? Mm hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's no question um, having a supporting network makes a huge difference. And for me in the entrepreneur life, and I think for most most people, whether they're entrepreneurs or otherwise, we have one life. Like I don't, I think a lot of times I have felt the tension of the work-life balance and I kind of throw out the word balance because I was never in balance. It's always like this tension point between the two. And so I really look at my life as one life um, and those passions sort of bleed together, which means my network also bleeds from family to work and to volunteerism seamlessly. Um, so num number one, I've been blessed, supportive family, supportive husband. Uh, we have fantastic grandparents and we choose to live in the city we're in because they have all been um, such a tremendous support in raising our children. Uh, and we value those relationships. But from a from a professional standpoint, yeah, I'm, I'm a big believer in mentorship. I'm, I've had some wonderful mentors. I've been in a place to mentor others and still continue to do that on a, ba on a volunteer basis through Futurepreneur and otherwise. And yeah, I think you have to also look at, I can't remember the diagram, but there's a diagram about like having all of the key people in your life. Like, do you have someone to go to for, to fulfill your faith and spirit? Do you have someone to go to, to fulfill you socially? Do you have someone, you know, to talk, talk shop and talk business with? And um, so I think, it, you know, that, that definitely is how I've kind of tried to shape my own uh, tribe, if you will. 
So you said something really interesting. I think you said about your support network and you said my husband. And of mm. course, you know that something that was very important for us to start talking about is how do we bring in those male allies to the conversation? So how important is it for our male allies and our champions to be really at the table with us, helping us cheer us on? Yeah, I think it's totally um, important to have both men and women cheering each other on. And I think when it comes to sort of recognizing women leaders, it's still not the norm. It's not the default, right? And so we need our guys in the crowd to really recognize that we're still, with all the advances we've made, it is still not equal footing. It's not equal footing in the boardroom. It's not equal fitting footing in governments, in politics. It's not always even equal footing at home. If you look at the chores and what you have to manage and all of those kinds of things, we don't have that. And so for me, until we have that sort of, it, it, that it's not noteworthy that it's a woman leader or that it's not noteworthy that it's a women, woman business, then it's necessary yeah. to support it. And I think that's what I would really kind of say to the guys out there, um, the men in our life to say, you know, that's why we're still fighting a good fight is because people still remark like, oh, isn't that fantastic that we have a female architect on our design team? Or isn't that fantastic that we have this female CEO? Well, yeah, but like, why is that a surprise? And so the fact that we still have to kind of peel back those layers means that we need everybody in the room to to make a concerted effort to um, to make sure they're listening to all the voices around the table and to invite those voices to the table. Yes, I just love that so much because it is important to recognize the achievements of women. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's still, it, yeah, I mean, there's also like just inspiring each other so forget about the guys for a second just because many of us are best inspired by hearing each other's stories i mean i'm a big believer in the power of connection it is the root of all my success or my my overcoming struggles in my own life is about looking outward not always inward and trying to connect with somebody else and so uh yeah i think you know there's also a lot of beauty in that and and you know we all know empowered women empower other women. And so I think that's an important piece of the puzzle as well. So let me ask you, my next question is that even though we know, and this, I've talked to so many women, um, that even though we know it's really important to celebrate the successes of women as each other, that circle of reciprocity, why is it so hard for women to own that spotlight sometimes? Mm. Like, yeah, that's right? a good question. It's, it's a tough one. Because we say, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to talk about our Women of Inspiration Awards. When someone is nominated, I often get a who me, right? When there's yeah, so yeah. many women deserving of the spotlight. But it's mm. always really hard for women to take that leap and say, I'm owning that. Why is that so hard? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful it's not as hard for our younger generations. Um, being a Gen Xer, I'm, I can 
I can put my I can dip my toe into the millennial exennial world um, but looking at just even our my own daughter and our you know her peers and all of those kinds of things and you know having spent lots of time celebrating women and, and sharing stories with her about other women etc like I, I hope that it doesn't feel um, I hope I hope they can fully shake off the imposter syndrome I hope they can kind of pull that back fully but that's not how we were raised that's not how my generation was raised it was still you know I it was still entering a boys club in many situations and so yeah that we, we can't we can't forget that that has kind of a, a an effect on us a, a, a shaping of us and that's why we have to be so purposeful about sharing our stories and celebrating each other and i think the big thing in that topic monica is we have to catch ourselves as women when we hesitate to applaud other women like it doesn't i think that's I think we could all kind of take that piece um, and I've been thinking a lot about that just in getting in into the Universal Women's Network and meeting new people and under, you know making all these great connections have been really great to be in this this bubble over the last uh, few months and and it's wonderful like it's celebratory people are lifting each other up and it's it's great and it's made me sort of reflect on how am I making sure I'm doing that outside of this bubble, outside of this very purposed, you know, gathering. Yeah. And um, just, I think it's on the onus is on all of us to shoot off the little note to, t you know, to really encourage women not to doubt themselves. That's the thing that I often see is like, people might doubt their decision. I remember having this conversation not long ago with someone and they were kind of down on how they handled something in a meeting and all of these kinds of things. And I said, like, stop doubting yourself. Like, it's okay to doubt or question, like, could I have done this better or learn from it and all of those kinds of things. That's not like who you are. That's not doubting yourself. So I think we really have to just keep breaking that apart and calling each other out on that. So, um, yeah, I, I know that's what I'm, I'm most focused on doing right now is like, okay, you know, making sure I'm shooting off the note, giving the congratulations, you know, pumping each other up. Um, it makes a big difference when people do it for me. And so I think we have to all kind of just make sure we're, we're making the extra effort to do that for each other. You are preaching to the choir, girl, because... Yeah, yeah well, you are the poster girl for that. Well, I <laughs> yeah. just, you know, I think my conversations today alone, I had three of them. And one of the reoccurring themes, and I kind of spilled the beans just a little earlier, was that in it feels so good. We need that encouragement. And we can do that very simply by just acknowledging somebody for what they're worth, right? And that would give them the strength to move mountains, literally. And there's so many people in our networks that we're impacting, but we don't know how many people we're impacting or that we're even on the right path sometimes because it can be a lonely journey. Um, if you don't tell somebody how much you appreciate them or that they are inspiring to you in some way. So the homework was, mm -hmm. is write a letter to a woman of inspiration that inspires you and tell her, right? Mm -hmm. Like, how beautiful is that? Yeah. When you open up your email or, hey, maybe your mailbox and you've got a note card in there that says, you rock or geez, yeah. uh, you're badass. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I think it's, um, I love that call to action um, of yours. And it's, uh, yeah, the, look, the days are full. We can, we can, 
you know, lose, lose ourselves in our own work and all of those kinds of things. And I think we often think it, but we just need to take the action to, as you said, extend that message, that note, that text, whatever case may be. And it doesn't have to be to women who we know. It doesn't have to be to the people that are in our own circle or own friends. Like that's, I think for me, I believe in leaning into the, every time I've leaned into the universe, the universe has shown up for me. And so same thing, like putting those messages out to the world that if you, um, you know, how, how good does that make someone feel on the other side? And, um, yeah. And the, and the universe will come back to you. I'm, I'm sure. And the universe is always paying attention. I agree. Like it, it is. And I think I get so excited when I think about the impact that we can make together because it's powerful. Um, it's something that, mm. you know, when we talk about, you know, how we're going to break those barriers, move those needles, you know what? Everybody mm. plays a role to do it. But if we all do a little piece of it, holy smokes, right? And then how it affects our kids when they watch us do this, they model that. So super powerful. And I can't wait till we're on the road together because we're going to like, it's going to be sunshine all over the place. <laughs> we'll light it up. We're going to light it up. So I have to ask you, so, you know, you're a very motivated woman. How do you stay so motivated? You know, there's got to be days that you get stuck. Um, you're a mom, you're a business owner, um, you're a wife. Uh, you know, how do you, I always love to find out how other people get unstuck. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question. Um, my energy runs pretty high, but at the same time, I definitely have my down moments. I definitely get stuck. You know, there's a few ways, certainly the leaning into connection and talking to some close friends and all of those kinds of things. But one of the things that's made a really big difference to me over the last year, especially our, our, um, our daughter was diagnosed with dyslexia early last year, right before kind of the pandemic. And um, so that has fueled me to become quite the education advocate and spend a lot of time in that, that space. And so all of these kind of feelings of, you know, wanting to empower and advocate, but also feelings of guilt and failure of feeling like I missed, missed things and then sort of unpacking and supporting her and her struggle and, and are doing that as a family. Yeah. Like it's, it's drawn a lot out of the well for me. And that one of the things what I was saying made a big difference to me is to working on building my resiliency. And so I have a resiliency coach who has taught me the practice of heart math, which is really just a, a meditation um, practice and visualization practice. And it's been a game changer for me. Um, I was never really good. I've taken other courses in meditation and mindfulness. <laughs> it's hard for me to stay that still or it's taken me a long time to sort of master that. Um, but uh, yeah, putting that as part of my morning practice every day, I really noticed the difference to like building up my own resiliency reserve um, and then being able to kind of if I'm stuck, so your question was, if I'm stuck, I know I'm going to lean back to that. If I'm stuck, it's probably because my resiliency is really low. And yeah. so, yeah, now I have some more tools in the toolbox of, of how to um, how to address that. It, she introduced me to heart math and to tapping. And so I hadn't experienced those so things before. Is this the before. tapping? The tapping? Yeah, it's tap like yeah, yeah. areas? Yes, yes, on the hot, yes. And that's um, that's been great to kind of clear out some other blocks or know that 
look, I, I believe all of these things are tools and you just keep building your toolbox. And, um, yeah. but those have been really good ones for me. And I'm, I'm really thankful to have Barb as my coach in that way as well. Very cool. And with now, so this might be the same question, but I, I'm just going to say, what is that one self care item? Mm. That's a non-negotiable for you. Yeah, it is the heart math for sure as well. Um, it's the morning routine, I guess. Um, I'm a big believer. I'm a believer in the um, miracle morning and following the acronym SAVERS, which is silence, affirmations, visions, uh, exercise, reading, and silence. So the heart math for me fits in there along with the other things that I do in the morning routine. Sometimes my exercise is great. Sometimes it's low. I was, uh, that's been a, a challenge in my life. I was, I grew up as a competitive athlete, it was a competitive athlete in university, but, um, yeah, it's a really important. So answering your question, what's important to my self-care sweating it out is important um and the joy of music and all of the kinds of things that go along with that and kind of feeding my competitive spirit uh and so when i don't have that in the mix i i definitely notice the difference as well but uh yeah that morning routine I, I, just waking up in the morning with intention and not reaction so we all know the days where you if you're a mom you've woken up and your, your kids right in your face and you know you're reacting to the morning and getting things ready waking up and having that quiet time in the morning and um and spending some time on my own personal and professional development is it makes a world of difference to me uh, i really noticed it when i i, I really noticed it but i'm not in setting that day with intention um before the rest of the the world gets active and and you know i get into my into the grind of the day so how early are we talking here yeah my best days start at five uh i would say this summer it's mostly been six so i there's a, a little bit of grace in that uh you know i'm fortunate i get to own my own time so i'm, I'm able to have some fluidity in that but um yeah my my best days start early and I, I was always a night owl. I've, I've worked late, late hours. And yeah, that combination of not sleeping well. And, and then it just, I called it the golden circle. If you eat well, you train well, so you sweat well and you sleep well. And yeah, it's taken me a while to figure that, uh, figure that out. But um, uh, at least now when I go amiss, I'm, I'm much better at catching, catching myself and getting back on track. Well, I think that's true for many people. I mean, you know, 10 o'clock bedtime and the older that you get, yeah, the earlier bedtime is because you, yes. there's no, um, you know, when you stay out late, you know that you're going to pay for it the next day. You're yeah, not going to be as productive and maybe a little cranky pants. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe that. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've worn those pants. <laughs> right? I wear cranky pants a lot when I haven't got my sleep. So I'm like in bed at yeah. 10. Yeah, no, it's true. Like, and it's, and look, I've also learned about, you know, multitasking is a misnomer. Like having that as a talent is not good. So throw that out, you know, working long hours is not really something to be proud of and to be held in high regard. Like, so early in my career, I certainly played into all of those, um, all of those traps, but, um, yeah, I, I, I just now try to make progress every day. Like you just got to take it one day at a time and make progress every day. And we call it staying in your lane and knowing what your lane is because everybody has a different lane and comfort zone. Um, yes. You know, my speed is go. And so I'm uncomfortable and slow. Mm, yes. That's the challenge for me. Yes. I can relate to that for sure. Can you relate to that? Yes. For yes. sure. Of course yes. you can. You're, yes. you're an A go getter, right? Yes. Um, yes. 
I like that. Yes. And it's been hard as an entrepreneur, like an entrepreneur. So as I said, I've had other ventures or some that haven't worked and some that I would love to, you know, take another swing at. But I also had to kind of harness myself in and be focused because I can have some of that shiny object syndrome that, oh, okay, something's over there, interesting, something over there. I'm pretty passionate person. I can be passionate about a lot of things and I am passionate about a lot of things. Um, and so, yeah, trying to balance it out through my volunteer career, my professional career, my family career, my family, um, if you will, like that's why I say it's one life and trying to, you know, figure out the magic there. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm lucky to be in a pretty good place, but it's, it's not without, it's not without having breaking, broken some habits that weren't serving me. You got to figure out what doesn't serve you and then you got to let that stuff go. Just let it go, girl. Yeah, let it go. And that's what I love most about our conversations, Amy, is because they're authentic and they're real and we're talking with women that are successful, but they're the you know, they're like yourself, they're like, just let it go. Um, and I love kind of how you say that we're never in balance. Like, honestly, I, you know, I've been no. talking to people and they're like, I don't have any structure at all. And, and, you know, so the more that we can say that, you know, I like to be structured or I like to be fluid, you know, that everybody has something different. And so our listeners are like, you know, somewhere in between, right? Everybody's got a different lane that they're on. And I think that if we ourselves as women don't put each other in boxes and judge mm -hmm. what speed everybody's comfortable with, that's the beauty. And like you said, you know, let's write and let's just say, I appreciate you and you inspire me for this because, mm. you know, that circle of reciprocity yeah. is so cool. But that judgment piece, yeah, no, it you gotta is. let go of that. Yeah, we got to let go of it and we we've got to let it go for ourselves and we've got to let it go for the other women in our in our lives. And so, um, yeah, that, I think that's I think that's an important call to action for all of us. And so I'm going to ask you, so who are these women that you, you know, look up to? So, you know, what sort of leadership qualities inspire you and other female leaders? Yeah, for me, I I do admire the women who are able to let things go, since that has not been my easiest uh, easiest challenge. Um, and so, learning a lot from folks who are able to just not not overanalyze and not sort of stay in the past um, and really just keep moving forward. I really admire sort of that quality and get a lot of inspiration from that. Yeah. I'm also get a lot of inspiration for, um, you know, I, I'm, I, I love great dialogue, great debate, all of those kinds of things. So looking to, to hang out and to be with women and to listen to other women who um, are not afraid to kind of share their opinion and their stories and all of those kinds of things is really valuable to me. But probably because the piece in my life that's been the hardest has been how hard I am sometimes on myself. It's that quality and mentorship that I've really looked for and continue to look for and lean into with the friendships and the mentors that I keep um, mm. nice and close in my in my circle. Um, you know, it's it's great to see other business leaders and all of those things are inspirational, but it's it's really the women who are wise 
and enjoy their lives and share their advice freely though those are the women that i want in my in my life very cool so well, i purposely look for that yeah so i would have to say that you're not alone because there's so many women that have the same feelings but we just don't talk about it enough and people think that women talk a lot and we tend to talk a lot but there's a lot of stuff that we're not even owning of our own stuff for fear of judgment mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. so it's creating that safe environment and the moment we speak our truth and we use our voice the more others are it lets the door swing open for the others to come in yeah it's that power connection right and so to do that we have to we have to be vulnerable and that that oh, is the my v word, the V word. Oh yeah, like that is not a comfortable word for me. Like it, I'm an Enneagram eight through and through. It is my weak spot has always been. And so, um, yeah, I just continue to try to cultivate that and be honest because if you really stop and that's what, what's been great to be part of the book and kind of reflect on some questions and even this conversation yeah. today, it's like, okay, what has served me well? What have I struggled with? How did I overcome that? Well, yeah. every case had connection, like every, in every situation, connection to, I've got a, a wonderful group of girlfriends who we all met when our firstborns were six months old. And so that's a tight knit group. Our, our oldest, those children are now turning 13 this year. So a long, long relationship. And we have lots of kids, we have 18 kids between five moms. So there's a big, a big brood of kids, but like sometimes it's been that connection and being up uh, being willing to be vulnerable in that group other times it's been in i've you know have been fortunate to be in business accelerators and cohorts and being vulnerable there sometimes it's just as an entrepreneur leaning into someone to say like it may look like it's going well but it's not going great in every way and so you know can i talk that through and so it's um yeah i think that's a really powerful trait to build it's not one that comes naturally to me it's not one that i would say i have mastered but it is um yeah it's front and center in my mind because i know at this stage that every time you do that every time you open up as you said somebody walks in like you're giving your you're giving you're giving the universe the space to show up if you don't give the if you don't open the door to the universe the universe is not going to be able to walk in and so yeah, those are all sort of very central themes um, for me, Monica, and, and I suspect for others. Well, I think that there's going to be lots of women shaking their head, raising their hand, going, yeah, me too, because it really does make a difference. And when we can be vulnerable, I appreciate um, you being so open about your, you know, your successes and your challenges. Um, but I want to talk about where, um, where do you see yourself in the next five years? Let's talk about your dreams that dreaming big, you've got all these projects on the go and all these businesses, you know, that you can dust off. So like, let's create a time capsule yeah. and, and share where you've been five years. Yeah, that's a great question. It's a big question. Um, look, we're, we're in growth mode with Silvermark. I'm really pleased with where we're headed with Silvermark. So um, having it in five years be truly standalone, that we've built the team, that I've had opportunity to extend some of my skills and knowledge into a, a team that can really stand um, much more alone in that day-to-day -day operations. 
is, is certainly a, a very tangible goal, if you will. Um, but for me, there are other other things I, as you said, want to dust off or want to pursue or try. And, and they run the gamut from family life to, as I said, volunteer life to, to work life. For me, I have other business ventures I would love to pursue that are in the space of serving older adults. That is, that is at my core purpose. Um, it, I have been so impacted by the relationships of grandparenthood and uh, great-grandparenthood and all of those things in my life that um, yeah, I'm excited to get Silvermark to where we're going and we're really nearly there so that I can lean into some of those other opportunities and and really our mandate at Silvermark and it's the mandate for me personally is just how do we improve the quality of life for older adults and so there's lots of opportunity to do that and, I, and I'm very passionate that there are many ways that we can do that. And then for me, as I mentioned, with the volunteerism and education and dyslexia awareness and advocacy, uh, yeah, I'm I'm deeply passionate. That's a whole other podcast, probably, Monica. But it's I'm deeply passionate about us making progress um, in our education system to unlock the full potential of all children. And so, uh, and and that struggle for me as a mom. Um, has been deeply affected by the connection I've made with other families. And so getting, um, you know, sharing stories in that regard, uh, that has had a profound effect effect on me. And that's pretty fresh in the last couple of years. And I'm really proud of some of the progress we're making, but I'm, and I'm um, obviously super proud of our, our daughter, but I'm, um, yeah, I'm excited. If you ask me over the next five year horizon, uh, I'm I'm really excited with the progress we can make in our in our education system and and hope to play some small role in that or some supportive role to other families as they navigate the journey of um, uh, of when their kid thinks and learns differently. Well, and as a mom of a boy who you know has a learning disability, he has ADHD, and you know there's nothing wrong with him. He just learns differently. Super bright, yeah. works harder than everybody yeah. else. And, you know, so I'm, I really do believe like you, it's hard for a parent to watch your child struggle, but know mm -hmm. that it's such a blessing and a gift because that resilience yeah. muscle that they've been developing all these years will only serve them so good later in life. And, you know, it, it, there's just so much power that, you know, even the most successful entrepreneurs they have learning challenges. They didn't thrive yeah. in the regular way of learning, yeah. but they just kick some major ASS yeah. in business as an entrepreneur. Yeah, 40 because they of could entrepreneurs. Just thrive and they get yeah. to hire the people around that are super people and they could be the visionaries. Yeah, exactly. 40, interesting fact, 40% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic or have a related learning disability and 35% of self-made millionaires. So that's really telling, right? Really telling. So I always, you know, look, it's an emotional journey when your kid learns and thinks differently, but you, uh, you and I are on the same page. There's lots to be celebrated. We celebrated in our house when we got the, the answer and um, Nora and I linked thumbs and we said, everything is figure outable. We're going to figure it out. But you're right. When you talk about that brilliance, like those kids are brilliant and resilient and that will serve them but it is hard on the heart uh to watch that process for sure and so yeah when i think about that work to me that's really part of my life work uh, like i i'm deeply passionate about my 
the work that we do in Silvermark and the work that we do for older adults. And um, look, all of this work is connected to people and impacting their lives, which is really central for me. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it, if you talk about that five-year horizon, I think we can do some amazing, amazing things. And there's no advocate like a mother. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I really love the vision because I think that we need more people like you that are going to help move that um, mark. Because I find personally that when you go through such an emotional, you know, experience, lived experience like that, um, the only people that can make the impact is because you have the lived experience, right? It's yeah. the fuel that makes change. Yeah, no question. We talk about, so I have the pleasure of being the co-founder and chair of our Decoding Dyslexia chapter here in New Brunswick and, and also volunteer for Dyslexia Canada. But you're right, like we were even having this conversation or we were working on a letter or something about just making sure that families and, and learner students have a voice at the table, if you will. And it's because we are the experts in our own experience and i think that's a common theme for if we take it back to the women and the entrepreneurialism and and just and just you know talk about who's who are the women of inspiration and i always i feel very much it's every woman because we have that story to tell and our story is valid because it's ours and so yeah i think placing that a great great emphasis on people being um experts of their own experience and us really inviting that experience into our conversations into our decision making into our teams that we're building into the board tables we're sitting around and making sure we're recruiting new board members to all of those kinds of things um yeah i i i, I think you you're you're bang on there so you almost stole my question because we're just oh, wrapping okay, up sorry. and great interview um ma and i want to sort of end our interview with so what is your definition of a woman of inspiration yeah no thank you for that monica um it, it is indeed as i just said it's every woman like it really is because we all have a story to share and so we really can get inspiration from each other regardless of whatever path we have taken. And it doesn't matter if that is a career path, a life path, a family path, whatever the case may be. Um, we all have a story to share. And uh, I think that's what's incredibly inspiring. So for me, uh, easy answer, it's, it's every woman. Very cool. Well, um, amen to that, Amy. Um, super excited to have you part of the um, 100 Women of Inspiration book. I look forward to meeting you as we make our way to the Atlantic um, Canada. Is there anything that you'd like to leave the listeners with today? Yeah, no, I think this has been a great talk. I really enjoyed it, Monica. And as I said, I'm so happy that the tour is coming all the way through to the East Coast. Um, so I'm really glad and looking forward to meeting yourself and a number of other people in the in the group and as part of the book and whatnot. No, I think, look, what would I leave with any uh, woman or any listener or anybody listening is just like lean in just like go for it let go of the stuff that doesn't matter um you know 
don't hold back about sharing your your story because when you do um something good will come from it and uh yeah i think that's that's certainly what i have learned and continue to learn over time and uh, uh that's what i would leave others um and i'm i i can't wait to hear their their stories too so well thank you for being such a role model leader and leading by example and uh for those listeners how can our listeners get a hold of you to learn more about silvermark yeah, they're they're welcome to visit the website. Certainly, um, it's silvermark.ca. It's an easy one, but more than anything, they're just welcome to reach out to me personally. So shoot me off a note on social media or LinkedIn, and uh, I'm always happy to have a chat and and love connecting with others. So uh, yeah, I would encourage people just to reach out to me personally. Wonderful. Well, thank you for a a really authentic um, interview today. It's been a pleasure and I'm excited to see you in person very, very soon. Um, And this is the Woman of Inspiration podcast. Uh, We were speaking with M.A. Foreman, who is the founder and CEO of Solmermark. So reach out to, you can send her an email, um, find her on social media. So I encourage you just to reach out. And if you enjoy this podcast, how you can support her is by sharing it with every single person in your network, because there will be some woman that needs to hear the information and fill up her bucket and, um, you know, help her on her journey. So thank you so much again, MA, and I will see you very soon. Thank you, Monica. Absolute pleasure. Take care. Thanks.